Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. The message today is called God is, God should be our focus. Uh, but I have a little preface to the message. And um, we're going to go. The first service computer guy has kept up with me great, so I hope you're ready for this. <laughs> All right, I have so much scripture, y'all. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.23, Amplified Classic. But refuse, shut your mind against, have nothing to do with trifling, ill-informed, unedifying, stupid controversies. I love the Amplified Classic. Over ignorant questionings, for you know that they foster strife and breed quarrels. Titus 3, 9 through 10, and also 14. But avoid stupid and foolish controversies and genealogies and dissensions and wranglings about the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is factious, a heretical sectarian, and cause of divisions. How many of you have ever met this person? <laughs> I have. Um, after admonishing him a first and second time, reject him from your fellowship and have nothing more to do with him. Wait, what? This is permission from the word of God to reject this person from your fellowship and have nothing more to do with them. How many people have ever seen somebody post, I just don't understand why when somebody leaves a church, why they just can't still be friends with everybody. Well, maybe that was because you were that person. And maybe that's because the other people actually read the word. And they're like, you know what, I don't have time for this. I'm moving on. All right, go down to 14. And let our own people really learn to apply themselves to good deeds, to honest labor and honorable employment, so that they may be able to meet necessary demands whenever the occasion may require, and not be living idle and uncultivated and unfruitful lives. Here's some questions to ask yourselves whenever you get into conversations. Will this affect my salvation? Will this have any effect on where I spend eternity? Will this change anything about my life or someone else's? Will this glorify God, the devil, or man? Will this produce reproducible fruit? Will this do anything to grow or enhance the lives of my family or loved ones? The Bible says that God hates gossip. Hates. It actually says that God hates. Did you know that God hates? He doesn't hate people. He hates things and behaviors. And you can hate them too. So I encourage you to run from that. And then the thing is, is I see people get caught up into worthless arguments. It's like, bro, I love you. You know what, it's fun to go down the rabbit hole. Pastor Caleb can testify. I've done it many times. But guess what, the Holy Spirit always brings me to the right track, okay? So when you're going down the rabbit hole and you accidentally get into the flat earther community, you're like, 
Bro, I'm here to tell you right now, it doesn't matter, because whether the earth is flat or round, Jesus still came, Jesus still died, Jesus still rose from the dead. It has nothing to do with nothing. And that you're just wasting your time. The devil loves to get you spinning your wheels. He loves it, loves it. Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he can steal your attention and kill your productivity and destroy your life with useless, fruitless things, he's going to do it. Say, devil going to do what devil going to do. That's what he does. Okay, I'm going to tell him myself this testimony. To be fair, the year was 2015. And me being a brand new pastor, even though I'd grown up in the ministry in the church my entire life. Um, this church had 20 people in it. It was under the ground. It could not be in any more dire straits if you tried. And not only was the church in dire straits, but the pregnancy center was in dire straits. And the daycare that we had was in dire straits. Everything was awful. Everything was terrible. But we knew that God brought us here. So I would tell my husband what was happening, you know, what was happening. And he's so much better at this now. He really coats things with a lot of honey, you know. And, and then I can receive it because he says it so nicely to me. So then I receive it instantly. And we just bypass all of the useless, fruitless arguments because he was right, but he said it in the wrong way. He said it really harsh. He's like, babe, do you want to give glory to the devil or do you want to give glory to God? <laughs> so, you know as a spouse, come on somebody, as a spouse, as a girlfriend, as a boyfriend, as a, as a husband, you're just like, And squeeze me, you're rude. Rude. <laughs> he doesn't do that anymore. Thank God for growth. Um, but he was true. He was right. Pastor Caleb told me to stop giving so much glory and attention to the devil and his minions. He said, focus on God and glorify God above the workings of the enemy. Then he said something else that really made me go, yeah. We do this. And this was at a separate time. So it was like, a, I don't know when, like a year later. And I, he just said it casually, so I accepted it right away. I was like, of course. This makes sense. Pastor Caleb asked, why do Christians get obsessed with the enemy? Why do we listen to ex-witches and ex-warlocks who bless their darling hearts are still obsessed with the enemy instead of God? Isn't that true? They're still obsessed. So now they've been redeemed. They've been set free. They've been covered in the blood. But guess what their obsession is? Guess who they glorify more? Guess who they make out to be the biggest and the baddest? And they are actually doing what Satan loves, which is to elevate his throne above the throne of God. They are elevating his throne for him. And he just sits back and is like, yeah. See, I still got you, boo. You still mine. 
Why does the enemy seem more interesting than God? Why? After all, you can never come to the end of knowing him. Our God is so big. He is so strong. He is so mighty. He is so powerful. And if God was small enough to fit into my three-pound brain and a man's three-and-a-half-pound brain, he wouldn't be God. I cannot know him with my mind. I can only know him with my spirit. And here is the exciting part. It is an ongoing, everlasting adventure. Amen? The Bible says that around his throne... The elders are crying out and the, and the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy. Because every time he turns, they see something they never saw before. And they've been there longer than we can imagine. There is no end to the glory of God. So as Christians, I want to like infuse you and empower you with this. We focus on God. God gets all the glory. God gets all the praise. And I get it more than anybody knows. You're going through a hard time right now. The enemy is attacking you. But guess what? He's defeated. Your eyes are on the prize. At the end of the book, we win. It literally does not matter whatever I'm going through. A lot of people, I said this in the first service, a useless argument. You know, the triune God argument. Like, okay, is he together? Is he separate? Does it matter? Does it change my salvation? Does it change where I'm going to spend eternity? No. If you go through all those questions, no, it doesn't. I don't understand how it works fully. I have my belief on it, but here's the deal. I don't have to know it all. Guess what the Bible says? We know in part and we prophesy in part. And on this side of eternity, we see through a glass darkly. So in fact, we cannot know it all. But we know who knows it all. Right? Amen? When you're driving a car, if you focus on the road, you'll stay on the road. The enemy is in the ditch. You can see it in your peripheral vision. And if you look at the ditch, you'll end up in the ditch. How many of you know right now, you know a Christian, or it could be yourself, because that was me. You're in the ditch. You're like, out of the ditch. I have focused on the enemy, and I went off in the ditch, and I'm not on the road. Well, good news, you can get back on the road. You can keep your focus where it has to be. Um, I'm going to go through these three things. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Omnipotence means all-powerful. God has supreme power. This means God can do what he wants. However, he has set up parameters and frameworks that he works within. And you can get to know those once you get to know God. It means he is not subject to physical limitations like man. 
Being omnipotent, God has power over wind, water, gravity, physics, etc. God's power is infinite or limitless. As soon as he created it all, it just makes sense. Omniscience means all-knowing. God is all-knowing all in the sense that he knows the past, present, and future. Nothing takes him by surprise. His knowledge is total. He knows all that there is to know and all that can be known. Omnipresence means all-present. This term means that God is everywhere at the same time. It means his divine presence encompasses the whole of the universe. There is no location where he does not inhabit. Omnipresence indicates that God is distinct from the universe but inhabits the entirety of it. He is everywhere at once. These three attributes are essential to God's nature. In other words, if God did not have these characteristics, he wouldn't be God. For example, for God to be God, he has to have supreme power, omnipotence, and if he was not omnipotent, he wouldn't be qualified to be God. And this is a very distinct difference from Satan and the devil because he cannot be omnipotent. He can't be everywhere at once. Yes, I know he has a third of innumerable, blah, 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 blah. But we have two-thirds of innumerable, so God wins. Amen? <laughs> now, Jesus talked about the enemy. He said, you know, know that you have an enemy. Know that he's walking around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Know this. Know this. But it should still be in your peripheral vision. This should not be. Be the focus of your life. Okay, Hebrews 11.6. Man, in first service, I clipped through this thing so fast, I was like the road runner. <laughs> Whew. Happy to like breathe a little more. It was good, it was good. It was amazing. God's amazing. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Wait. He is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Genesis 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the very face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the water, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that light was good, suitable, pleasant, and he approved it, and God separated the light from the darkness. James 1 through 17. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. When people say to you, is God black or is God white? He's neither, he's light. And inside light is a full spectrum of colors. You can study that on your own. But if you need an answer for somebody that says you're pe preaching a black God or a white God, you say, no, I'm preaching a light God. Amen? Let's get to know him. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. Did you hear that? The word was God himself. 
He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. The world doesn't understand, and that's okay. Exodus 33:17, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing. Moses went up to the mountain, okay. The Israelites were supposed to go with him. And they said, no. They were too terrified. Can you believe that? In the Old Testament, they were all supposed to go up to him. He said, I will be their God and they will be my people. And there will nothing stand between us. In the Old Testament, before Jesus. He wanted that communion with them and they rejected it. He still to this day wants that communion with us. May we not reject it. I will do this thing also that you have asked. For you have found favor, loving kindness, and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally and by name. Wait. In the Old Testament, he found favor, loving kindness, and mercy in the sight of God. And I'm here to say, God has never changed. As he was then, he is now. The only difference, the only difference is that he took the glasses off, dipped them in the blood of Jesus, and now he puts on the rose-colored glasses, and that's how he looks at you and me. And that's the only reason he can look at you and me, because God cannot stand to look upon sin. It's a beautiful thing. And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me. And you shall stand upon the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So he sees the back of God, whew, and it's so glorious, his face starts reflecting the glory of God. So brightly that when he comes down the mountain to these wicked people that have just formed a golden calf to elevate that and to worship that and to give that the first place and to give that preeminence. A flippin' golden calf that nothing lives in and that is what they're worshiping. And he comes down and this wicked cold-hearted, far from God, scared of God people, says, cover your face. They could not even stand to look at the glory that was just reflected off of his face. And they made him cover his face so they didn't have to look at it anymore. Because I can guarantee you that seeing the glory shining off the face of Moses brought such conviction to their hearts. Maybe not condemnation is different than conviction. Conviction is good. Every time I am in the service where the word of the Lord is preached, I get convicted about something or another. Why? 
because we are all unrefined, because we're like this piece of wood with a bunch of splinters on it, and the good carpenter comes, and he takes that sandpaper, and he starts smoothing us down, and it might not feel nice when that sandpaper is applied to my rough surface, but he smooths it out. He makes a way, and he forms me into the image that he wants me to be. As long as I subject myself to that process, all you have to do, uh, people get into the predestination argument because it seems so. Because, because God said, I will show mercy on who I will show mercy. Well, I've got good news for you. Who will he show mercy on? The person that has a desire. All you need is a desire. God has given us a free will. So you have to align your free will to desire God. How many of you know that you can cultivate a taste for certain foods? Let's bring it down to the natural. You can cultivate a taste for junk food and sugar, and then that's all your body wants, but it's this circle where it keeps destroying you. It, it just packs your body on with, with unnecessary weight, and then you have a hard time getting up or down. It, it, it overloads your organs and stresses your organs because of all the toxins to where your organs start to shut down. But you can go in the opposite direction and you can cultivate, I drink water all day. I eat my vegetables that are organic because the non-organic ones hold pesticides. That's another story. Um, I eat organic vegetables. I eat meats that are good for me. I nourish my body because my body is an engine. So I put the right things in my engine. So you have to cultivate a taste for the things of God. You have to cultivate a desire for the things of God. Not everybody who comes in this building is as gung-ho for God as you are. Sometimes they're so perverted by the world. They've been into everything else. They've sought help from everything else. And, and they are surrounded by tormenting spirits. And they literally, I've seen it time and time again, get up and run. But the ones whose heart is turned towards God and they're genuinely seeking, they're genuinely seeking the truth. God has given them a breakthrough and broken those things off of their lives to where they could see clear and they could hear and they could embrace everything that he is. I had a person say to me that they only knew Jesus and they wanted to know God as a father. And I was like, yeah, you know, just nodding along. Like, yeah, that made sense. And then they went away and I was like, wait a minute. And then all this scripture, the Holy Ghost just brought all this scripture to me. Go with me in John 14, 9 through 11. Jesus replied, have I been with all of you for so long a time? And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What I am telling you, 
I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord. But the Father who lives continually in me does the works. His own miraculous deeds of power. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. Who couldn't trust Jesus? Go down to 20. At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. Woo! And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself, make yourself real to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our special dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine but comes from the father who sent me. Down to 3331. I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius, ruler of the world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. But Satan is coming, and I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know, be convinced that I love the Father, and that I do only what... The Father has instructed me to do. I act in full agreement with his orders. Did you see that? I am in you. I am in my Father. You are in me. I am in you. If Jesus is in us, let's let Jesus live fully because Jesus is never going to make us do anything that the Father God would not do. Acts 17, 27, so that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him. Wait, it said feel? Feel after him and find him, although he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. get tickled well no it actually irritates me when christians are like no that's new age you know god's not in everything well in him we live and move and have our being maybe not in everything but he's in me you can reject him but he's in me and he's in you if you accept him and it's funny Listen, I want to tell you that the New Agers have nothing. They don't create anything. All they can do is take it and pervert it. All they can do is take it and twist it. It's twisted, but they got it from somewhere. They got it from an original source, and the original source is God. 
They're seeking in the wrong location and the devil's got them tied up in nonsense and stupidity. But you got to pray for them because one day they will come to know the Lord. And they need to know. Listen, you guys. There's young children. They're obsessed with witchcraft. Why? Because witchcraft gives them power and they're seeking power. There's a problem in the church today because they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That is in the word of God. So you'll go into them. Listen, I studied acting, but I can't be ingenuine. I can't. It's against everything that's inside of me. It's against my blood. I can't. I have to be genuine. I have to be real. But if I, if I had to, you know, if Pastor Caleb and I really wanted to grow the church to 12,000 people, then we could do what everybody does. Now may you go with the grace of the Lord. First of all, I would put myself to sleep. I cannot be ingenuine. So if we're too hot to handle, just know it's because we've been in his presence. Just know it's because we've been in front of the burning bush. Just know it's because we've seen his glory. I apologize. I'm sorry that that offends you because I don't want it to offend you. I want you to run. I want you to run to the Father with everything that you have. I want you to know him like I know him. I want you to see the face of Jesus like I saw the face of Jesus. You say, Pastor Kirsten, you're crazy. Well, that's because I saw him. Through everything I walked through, through everything that the devil tried to take from me, he tried to steal, kill, and destroy me, I was going to be a labor and delivery nurse. And if I'd follow through with my plan, none of us would be in place today. I submitted myself to God's plan. I don't even, I always told the, I told the Lord, I said, I don't care. I don't care about the microphone. I don't care about the platform. I don't care. The only thing I care about is you. And the next thing that I care about is the people. There are people in ministry today, the only thing they want is to see their name in lights. And they haven't died to themselves. And so they're pursuing and they're trying to climb up this mountain. I've got news to you. The mountain that you're climbing is a pile of dung. In the first service, precious lady just moved here a month ago from Portland, Oregon. She experienced a healing touch of God in her body just sitting in the service. Just as we were talking about God. She said the fog lifted off of her brain and the extreme pain in her stomach left. That's the Lord. That's God. We have food ministry and we have helpers, volunteers come to food ministry. You guys have no idea what you're even doing. Your ministry. I was there this Thursday and I was so grateful for the sunglasses that were hiding my tears. Because I just remembered the first 
time that we did food distribution at the beginning of COVID, and there were 10 brave souls who came to help us. And we gave away like snack bags and peanut butter and jelly and bread and Gatorade and bleach and water, and it wasn't anything what it is now. And these brave souls were coming and would go to the car, and the people were devastated by what was happening. We all know this, but we got to pray with them. And so this Thursday in food ministry, they say it over the radio, somebody got a healing in the line just waiting for food. We got a miracle testimony. What? That's everything. That's everything I live for. That's everything he lives for. We said to God, God will lay our lives down if they can know you. God, <laughs> as Moses said to God, I will not go unless your Holy Spirit goes with me. I will not go. And if the Holy Spirit of God offends somebody, then I'm sorry. I wish it didn't offend you. I wish you could know that he's real. He's more real than you or me, and one day you'll know it. And I pray that you're on the side that says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter thee into the joy of the Lord. I pray you're not on the other side that says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And, he, and, and before it even says that, it says, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he still says to them, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Because they live their life in sin. We, we live our lives, all the pastoral staff, we live our lives pursuing holiness. Because without which we will not see God. And I have a desire to see God. And my desire to see God overrides my fear of a man or a woman. And my desire to serve God. The Bible says do not be afraid of their faces. Do you know how much we had to employ that scripture just staying open during COVID? You'll have fights with people you never thought you'd fight about. And they think you're trying to kill people, but really what you're trying to do is save people. And you're like, if my doors to this church are shut, what happens to the down? What happens to the hurting? What happens to the broken? What happens to them? I have to stay open, I have to feed the hungry, I have to look after people as best that I can, but most importantly, I have to point them to the only one that can meet their every needs. <laughs> Psalm 24, one. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and they who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the currents and the rivers. Who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted himself up to falsehood or to what is false or sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation, the Description of those who seek him, who inquire of and for him, and of necessity require him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Pause and think of that. 
Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you age-abiding doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, and the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Yes, lift them up, you age-abiding doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he then, this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. First Corinthians 10, for the whole earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. Psalm 50, 12b, for the world and its fullness are mine. I encourage you in your own time to read Job 38 through 40. Realize that until that point in time, people are talking and they're having worthless, stupid arguments about stuff they have no knowledge of. So read from 38 where God comes down and speaks about himself. Do you want to know him? Get it right from the horse's mouth. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read it to you, but it is powerful. Where were you when he formed the foundations of the earth? Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He will restore to life our perishable bodies through his spirit. That is why we make room. We make room for his spirit in praise and worship. We make room for his spirit spirit to move whenever he wants to. Lord, this is your church. These are your people. It belongs to you. And Pastor Caleb and I and all the other pastors, we're shepherds of the flock. So we have to look out at these beautiful sheep and make sure there's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. We have to kill the lion and kill the bear. Those things do enter in. And we have to pray to the Lord and say, God, please help us look after them as best as we could, as we can. But you know, some sheep are just ornery. They're going to bump their heads a lot. They're going to get caught in the thicket and they're going to run off and their, their, their wool is going to grow so much they can't even see out their own eyeballs. Oh, I, I have the word at home, Pastor Kirsten. Uh, you do, but I don't know when the last time you cracked it open was. You overly fluffy. And your fluffy is dirty. And you need a shepherd. And then you've got goats. Those are fun. My, my word to the goats is just head on down the road. We don't need you. <laughs> they, they're never coming right. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's all about your heart, guys. It's all about your heart. You can choose to be a sheep or you can choose to be a goat. You can choose to be like a good sheep. Like, yeah, okay, we're headed this direction. Let's go. We're headed to God. We're headed to Jesus. We're headed to the Holy Spirit. Let's go. Luke 
All right, here we go. Don't jump ahead, sorry. Do not seek after the thing you want or the miracle you need or the prophetic. Seek God. We have a testimony of a lady we met many years ago, and um, it stuck with me forever. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, bedridden, lost her job, her husband had to take care of her, couldn't even hold a pencil. I don't know if you know anything about multiple sclerosis, but it's a death sentence. So she was seeking the miracle. She's like, God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. And she said, one day, she just goes, oh, God, forget it. I just want you. And even though she'd never been to a Dr. Rodney Howard Brown meeting, she got hit with the supernatural joy from the Lord. And she started to laugh for three days straight. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is medicine. So take your medicine, guys, and laugh. Amen. And so she laughed for three days straight, completely healed from the top of her head to the tips of her toes, does not have one trace of that foul disease. I just saw her a couple weeks ago. She was at camp meeting, still going strong. They're in the ministry today. They came to our meetings. They housed us in their house, and now they pastor a church. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 6, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Luke 12, 31, only at, aim at and strive for and seek his kingdom, and all these things shall be supplied to you also. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. As you can see, for the, over the past year, how many people have been seized with alarm and struck with fear? And by design, not saying the virus did not exist. Yes, it does. But there's things you can do to boost your immune system. That also is a different message. We have a machine right here that NASA uses to keep you free of viruses. We've done everything in the natural and everything in the spiritual. But I just had this encounter because as a child I always wanted to go into China. And if you go to China, you have to go to the underground church. Little did I know that God called me to America and he would bring China here. So I was like, if I would go to an underground church in China, how much more will I stay open in the United States of America? I said this to my husband and he was really disturbed by it, but I was like, if I perish, I perish. Esther said it, I don't care. I put my life on the line and I trust him to protect me. Those that seek to preserve their life will lose it. And have you not seen your friends and family lose their life, cordoned off in a house, wearing a mask that doesn't even 
work. Even the Fauci emails say so. Come on. I just want people to get set free from the demonic stronghold of fear that's got a hold of their life, that they think that this is how they ought to live. This is not how they ought to live. God has freed us from the curse of sin and death. He's freed us. When I spend time in the anointing in the presence of God, he quickens my mortal body. He changes things in here. There have been times, if I had to stay here and tell you about all the miracles that God has done in my own life, in my own body, we'd be here all day. He is that good. He made you. Do you know that for him to heal you is as easy as turning on a light switch? If he knitted you in your mother's womb and he knows how many hairs you have on your head, I will never know how many hairs you have on your head. As I'm counting, one will fall out. I will never know, but he knows. He knows you. He knows how many hairs you have in your beard. <laughs> I know, I, I can sense that you guys were talking about that. <laughs> Didn't you know? He just lets just say he knows. We already discussed that, okay? Omniscient. <laughs> Covered that base. He knows everything about you and he loves you. Seek holiness. Not one of us is sinless. But we can sin less. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.